Hello everybody, Julian Charles here of TheMindRenewed.com, coming to you as usual from the depths of the Lancashire countryside here in the UK. And today, on this, the first day of the fourth month of the year, I'm delighted to be joined by Ed Balsam Clamp, who is a former UK Member of Parliament, and uh, until recently, Senior Etymological Consultant to the Oxford English Dictionary Working Committee, which we'll hear about more in a few moments. And he's joining us for an interview on his tireless efforts to blow the whistle on a book that's going to be published, or is very likely to be published next year, something called the Oxford Brexit Dictionary, which may well be coming out in March 2019 as the UK. UK finally exits the European Union. And I'm going to quote from him. He says, No one has even been given a chance to comment on this momentous publication, and yet it threatens to change the English language forever. Not only is this an affront to linguistic evolution, it's a shameless attack on democracy itself. Those are the words of my guest today, Ed Balsam Clamp. Thank you very much indeed for joining us on the programme. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Julian. Well, it's uh, great to be speaking with you. Now, this is going to be quite a controversial subject that we're talking about today. Um, So before we get into the details of that, I just want to ask you a few things about your life, really. Um, Now, you were a member of Parliament in the UK. Where was that? Um, It was in the uh, Boston and Skegness constituency. So Mm -hmm. it's sort of on the the east coast of Great Britain. Um, lots of coastal towns there. Mm. So I used to live in Boston, quite close to the the stump, which is in a very high spire of the cathedral in Boston. I think it's the high, I think it's the highest in the the UK. Um, but that's where I used to live, and um, I was there for seven years. I represented the constituency. Mm. And that was as a Conservative member of Parliament, is that right? Yes, yeah. yes. But yeah. you you left that? Did you leave the mm. leave the whole of establishment politics altogether? Or well, I wasn't happy with the way the Conservative policies were unfolding, so I decided to become an independent councillor, uh, an independent MP, I should say. So I stood as an independent, and unfortunately, I lost lost my seat. So then I sort of took a back seat from politics for a little while and. Uh, ended up, as you say, on this working committee for this um, for this dictionary. Yeah, indeed. How come you got into that? I mean, uh, did you have a background in you know, training in the English language? Were you an Oxford graduate yourself or anything like that? Yeah, well, um, Cambridge. Um, uh-huh. I took a, a degree in medieval English at Cambridge. Hmm. So I guess they were looking for people. It was a, it's a cross-party venture. I mean, it's supposedly apolitical and they were looking for various people from various fields and I happened to know somebody Mm. who had already got involved and who put my name forward so Mm. that's how I sort of got involved in it in the initial stages. And that presumably was a full-time position was it? Um, It was two or three days a week Um, sometimes I'd be Mm. working from home looking at the material that they they sort of put forward but essentially it would be based in London um, three days a week yes for, for a I think I was working on it for a good five or six months, actually, before I, well, as I'm sure you'll talk to me about, before I became unhappy with the way it was going. Hmm. So this was, you were unhappy with the working committee, but a certain aspect of what that working committee was doing with respect to this Mm. Oxford Brexit dictionary, that was the thing that particularly worried you? I mean, obviously the whole point of this is that they were wanting to exclude foreign words and phrases from the dictionary post-Brexit. So it was that, and also it was the way that they were carrying on this 
I felt it was very undemocratic. Also, I felt that people in the wider world or the wider UK didn't know what was happening. Mm. And I felt that they needed to be told. They needed to be made aware that this was happening post, as you say, post-Brexit. I think it's yeah, March 2019 is the proposed date for the, the new edition. So I wanted to get out there and try and tell people that this was going on. I was, I was deeply unhappy. St- I still am. Mm. It's an extraordinary idea. The removal of foreign words from the dictionary. I mean, you as an etymological consultant, I can mm. see why you're particularly yeah. dissatisfied with that idea. I mean, of course, this is this is one of the things that mm. a lot of people get confused between etymology and entomology. I and mean, entomology has to do with insects, doesn't it? Yes. But, uh, yes. Etymology yes. is the is the study of you know the roots, the derivation of words, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, my specialism was medieval mm. etymology, so. A lot of our, obviously, most of our spoken English comes from medieval English, which itself comes from a wide variety of influences across Europe and and the wider world. So it was a huge undertaking in the first place to exclude foreign words and phrases because um, having to trace them back, there's a lot more foreign words that we use than we perhaps realize. Mm. I mean, I'll give you a couple of examples Uh, faux pas, you make a mistake, ad nauseum. Mm. Bon voyage, simple thing like bon voyage, that, that would be banned from the, the new version of the Brexit dictionary. Wow, it's incredible. So those those would actually not appear in the dictionary. But I mean, you could say, I suppose, that this would be a kind of an isolated phenomenon. OK, they're not in the dictionary. But I understood from the notes that you sent me that this is going to be mandated across schools in the UK so that mm-hmm. schools will be using this dictionary. And, you know, that's going to have yeah. a, a big impact upon yeah. the teaching, isn't it, in the schools? Yeah, I mean, that's the troubling side of it, that Oxford University Press had um, a special deal with, with all the the schools, certainly in England. I'm not sure about Scotland or Wales, but in England anyway, mm. their deal would be, yes, that they would be using the new Brexit dictionary from the publication date. And therefore, the kids would grow up not having any... Um, they wouldn't encounter any of these foreign phrases, which I think is very troublesome. So, I mean, they will be studying literature from the past. And in this context, we're talking about, you know, from yeah. last year. And that literature will include many of these phrases that are no longer going to be considered acceptable to use. So, I mean, mm. d- does that mean that a vast amount of literature will actually be removed from schools or will they sort of bowdlerize everything, as it were? Well, my guess is as good as yours. Mm. Um, but I think when you look at the fact that an English dictionary does exclude foreign words and phrases, then I think they would have to reconsider foreign literature. Mm. They would, as you say, have to bowderize English literature, remove those troublesome foreign words and phrases. I mean, where do you stop? You know, it's a very, yeah. we're sort of in, into 1984, really. Um, I found the whole thing very troublesome. And although... Well, this is a case in point because, of course, 1984, people often think that that was written down with numerals, but it's not, is it? It's actually spelt out as words 1984. Mm, mm. So that's safe, presumably. But had it been numerals, yes. the case could be made. I mean, I again, I think you, you said something along these lines in your email, that those are Arabic numerals. Yeah. So if that were the case, then it would not even have a title. Yeah, and I mean, unbelievably, there was actually talk of removing the, the, the Arabic numerals from the dictionary. I mean, it's extraordinary. So That is absolutely amazing. So I, mean, I know, I know. And people don't mean... realise. People don't no, no, realise. No, and this is no. where I feel this is where my job is to tell people about this. Mm. Would that then have an impact upon the teaching of mathematics? Yeah, yep. Going back to the tally system. Well, exactly. The tally system, the five-bar gate system. 
which obviously takes up a lot more space on the page. Yeah. But, you know, doing complicated equations with the tally system would be horrendous. Uh, it would be a real backward step, I think. It would. And you, you wouldn't be able to say one, two, three. Those will be replaced by yan, tan, tetherer. Yeah, so it would be teaching the children a whole new way of speaking. On one hand, it would be eliminating their cultural heritage. And on the the other hand, it would be making them create a whole new post-Brexit cultural heritage that would, in a, in a way, be a sort of evolution of language, you could insist. But I, I would say, no, it's actually an abrogation of our cultural diversity. It would seem to go against the very notion of the natural evolution of language because... Yeah you would expect to incorporate words from different cultures. That would be a natural thing. So yeah. artificially to come along as an authoritative committee and say, because we've made a political, you know, the nation has made a political decision, therefore we're going to go against that natural process, yeah. just seems absurd, bizarre, and quite dangerous in the sense that it puts yeah. that idea above all of the cultural richness that we have in this country. Mm. And I think a lot of people, well, I think nobody realised when they came to do the vote mm. for Brexit that this would ever be a possibility. No. And the other thing that I've heard now, this is, um, I don't have the exact figures, but there have been figures banded around of um, three, possibly £3.1 billion to put in process this whole thing, which could well have gone to the NHS. Yes. Um, so, yes. you know, other... Well, I heard £3.18 billion, which... Right. Well, okay. These are estimates, yeah. of course, well, of course, nobody knows the exact truth. Mm. Um, it depends what source you go to. You were saying about dumbing down. Mm -hmm. It's not just about excluding foreign words, is it? There are some other... Oh, well, this is what, what I find so confusing about this. In one sense, they're going away from the natural evolution of language. And yet, on the other hand, they're sort of mm. going with that too much and saying, well, because the English language is moving in a certain direction, we have to force that direction even further. So we have, for example, here, we might say there are or theirs. We have those two options. So when we're talking about the, you know, there are a hundred marbles in my bag, very often people say there's a hundred marbles in my bag. Now, that's actually incorrect, but very many people say that, you know, even newsreaders speak in those terms. Now, because that's, as it were, the natural evolution of language, this committee are saying, well, you know, it's very authentically English, that development, therefore we're going to push that. And so you are not going to be taught anymore to say there are a hundred marbles in my bag. It's going to be there's a hundred marbles in my bag. That's going to be correct. Is that right? That is exactly right. And it's almost as if wow. they're dumbing down through the back door, hmm. if you like. So they're including all these, you know, you and I would say they're errors, they're errors in pronunciation, they're errors in diction, but uh, they're going to be included. Um, hmm. There is this sort of confusion between fewer and less. Now, what the working committee were thinking of for the Brexit dictionary was to combine those two words to make fewer less. So that instead of a complication between fewer or less, it would just simply be fewer less. Wow. Now, you might say that language evolves, but I would say no, there, there have definitely, t there are two different meanings to combine them, is dumbing down. Mm. This sounds now like a clockwork orange. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's a combination of that and 1984, yes. 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 The, yeah, yeah. the worst one that I think here is in it. Of course, of course. No, interesting. Mm. Sorry. Um, clockwork orange, you would never be able to study at school because... Anthony Burgess's novel uses this whole sort of different lingo that's based on Soviet Russian. So that will go at once. Hmm. I mean, it, the, the ramifications are, you know, quite uh, disturbing, I think. Yes, it trashes so much unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell us about In It, because I think that is the pits, to be honest. Go on, tell us about that. 
Well, the new dictionary might well be mandatory to say in it at the end of every sentence, simply because that's how some people talk. So if I want to say, um, we're going to the shops, aren't we? Well, that's the normal sort of tag question that you stick on the end of a sentence. Like, oh, but we're going to the shops, aren't we? Yeah. A lot of people will say, we're going to the shops in it, yeah. which of course, that's incorrect. Mm-hmm. But now that's going to be mandatory. So aren't we, mm-hmm. sh- shan't we, shall we, all these sorts of things, they're all yeah. going to go, it's going to be in it. Yeah, yeah. And also there's another thing that I spoke out against strongly was that they proposing that um, every answer to a question begins with so. Oh, no. I mean, you see it all the time. Yeah, yeah, you see it all the time on telly. Because people do it, instead of correcting or providing Mm. alternatives, no, they want to make that mandatory. So you think of what the children will grow up to be. It is incredible. Yeah. Um, Perhaps this will be a good moment, I think, to introduce some of the comments from people on the streets because Mm. a few weeks ago you were out on the streets asking people for their reactions about this proposed dictionary yeah and uh, some of those reactions were well i suppose they were quite understandable but Mm. let's let's just listen to what people had to say you've heard the rumor about oxford university press producing a post-brexit dictionary that will exclude foreign phrases these are some of the phrases that they will exclude from the dictionary these are being phrases that have been in the Language for decades. So, they want to kill the English language off and make it dead. And let's face it, a lot of the English language was from Norman French originally, so these words have been in. So you would be opposed to the idea of removing yes, foreign would. phrases from the yes. from the language. Yes, absolutely. Yes, okay. yes definitely. All right. Thank you very much thank for your you. help. That's all. You thank welcome. you for your help. Thank you. Uh, you've probably heard the news, the leaked news, that the Oxford University Press are producing a post-Brexit dictionary that excludes foreign phrases from the dictionary. How would you feel about that? I actually haven't heard it. Oh, right. Well, these are some of the phrases they will be excluding. How would you feel about them taking them out of the dictionary after Brexit? I don't think they should. I mean, at least some of these. These have been around forever. You have to keep that. Which is the phrase that you perhaps use most that you would you would uh, like to, to not see removed? Bon voyage. Yes, they get, apparently yeah. that's the first one they're going to scrap. That's a, yeah. It's, uh... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, you can't really take that out of the dictionary. So you'd be, you'd be opposed to the idea? Yeah, definitely. Okay, sorry. Thank you yeah. for your help. Appreciate that. How do you feel about excluding sort of common phrases, sort of bon voyage, ad nauseum from the, from the English dictionary? What, they're going to do? Why yeah, do they're it? going to. They're, there's a working committee of getting rid of these phrases after Brexit. No, I, no, I don't know. Of course, it's what we were. We're familiar with it. We've brought up with them. Yeah, which what one? We are. Yeah. What? So you will be against against removing any foreign yeah. phrases and perhaps days of the week, which came from well, yeah, other languages. Yeah, they're, they're, they're common to our language, really. They've been used for so long. Bonaparte, for example, you know, and Popal, you know, certain ones. Yeah. It's become about. Thank you, yeah. yeah. Okay, no, thank you very right. much for your help. Appreciate so that. Thank you. Thank you. So as people can hear, many, many folks on the streets are not very happy about that. And as I say, quite understandably so. But this brings us to the other side of the coin, because, of course, it's possible that the UK will not leave the EU. Who knows what's going to happen? And uh, the Collins Dictionary, I understand, this is of the famous 20th century dictionary or 21st century dictionary. I understand that they have an alternative to this Brexit dictionary. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, and this is only because I was working in the field for several months, Hmm. 
they are planning a sort of rival version, they're calling it the Collins 21st Century Romanish Dictionary, that will actually include all the foreign words and phrases that are being excluded by Oxford University Press. The way they're producing this, as I understand it, and I think this is still work in progress, is that there are 28 countries in the EU, so the dictionary will be divided into 28 sections, one per country, and those words from that particular country that we use will be in that relevant section. One of the ideas was that the size of the sections are based on the population density per country. So, I mean, this is rather extraordinary. You'll find that Malta, which has the highest population density, will have the, the largest section. Really? Yeah, I know. It's extraordinary. It's like 1,400 people per square kilometre, as opposed to Sweden, which I think is only 28. So uh, you will have this sort of proportionality that is, is quite strange when you think about it so there'll be t- um but they so are doing so there'll that be, there'll be 28 sections mm. so you'll open up this dictionary mm. and it will be split into 28 sections and yep. only only one of those sections will have english words in it yes. the other 27 sections will have you know french german yep. greek whatever yep. um, and they will all be slightly different widths if you actually look at the side of the book depending upon the population density of those particular countries Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I know it's crazy, isn't it? But we live in a a very strange world. Presumably it will exclude a huge number of English words that we are using at the moment. Well, it'd have to because we're only taking up one twenty-eighth of the dictionary. So it'll be very highly selective. Highly selective. Have you any idea what kind of words will be excluded? Have have they given you or has your colleague given you any information along those lines? Um, They're talking about excluding some words, shorter words like uh, from. Uh Aha. Contractual words like into, they're reducing, so they'll have an entry for in and to, but they'll exclude into. And also the removal of synonyms. Hmm. So, for instance, you could remove the word because, because you've got other words that could replace it, like since, or remove uh, pugilist because you've already got the word boxer. So it's, again, if you like a dumbing down of the language by removing all these synonyms that makes our language interesting and yes. a joy to speak. So these will be whittled right down. Um, for this alternative dictionary. Poetry will be dead, won't it? I think so, yes. Mm. I mean, how people will hope to study Shakespeare in future, I have no idea. Mm. And what about apostrophes? This is something that, of course, is atrophying. <laughs> it's almost the same word, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. Across the country, mm-hmm. people don't know how to use apostrophes very often. Well, no. they're going to be gone, aren't they? Yeah, they will be gone. I mean, I think, personally, my own opinion is that's probably a natural evolution of the English language. I'm not so worried about that. Mm. But, the, but, uh, but, but it's ideological because the Germans don't use them, do they? I mean, if you want to say um, mother's car, you'd say Mutti's Wagen, but there'd be no apostrophe in there. It'd just, just be an S. Mm-hmm. And so it's just because the yeah. Germans do it, we will have to do it. Well, no, it's not entirely that. Um, okay. I think it is a nat- that is a natural evolution of language, um, mm. which I'm not too fussed by, although there are some people who do say that we are pandering to the Germans in doing that. Mm. On this I'm not so bothered. But all nouns with capital letters, now that is, that well, really yes. is what the Germans do. Yes, um, I'm, yes, I'm glad you brought that up. That is actually very controversial. I'm not happy about that. Mm. Uh, that does seem to be pandering to the German-speaking uh, people, which um, I feel we shouldn't be doing. Both of these plans seem absolutely harebrained, to be honest. I, I find mm. it incredible that anybody is taking this as a, a really serious suggestion. I mean, in, in both cases, what, what do you know about the people involved? What is it that's motivating them? 
Well, it's hard to know because although I was working on this committee for several months, um, mm. all I could get was the sense that these are essentially very sort of, if you like, woolly liberals who are looking to move the language on in a way that is simply undemocratic because the only way you can move any sort of language on is a natural way with the populace speaking it. So I think they have their own agendas. Um, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you say that you know the EU one would be more the, the woolly liberal wanting to be hyper-inclusive, but the Brexit one strikes me as being what you might classically call right-wing. Um, mm, I, I hate, I hate mm. that term, but you know we know the kind of thing we're talking yeah. about, you know, ra- rather nationalistic and uh, exclusive of other cultures, etc. Yeah, and when you think about it, how, how bizarre that is, because only there was only a 4 or 5% majority when you had the referendum. So I don't think it's indicative of the population to be quite so, for want of a better word, right wing in this. But that was that certainly with the people I was dealing with, that that was where they were all coming from. Yeah. Um, perhaps we could hear just a little bit from your colleague and mm. fellow whistleblower, Roy, whose yeah. full name, of course, is not to be disclosed. Um, yeah. I'm not sure, actually, whether that is his real first name or whether that is a protective pseudonym. Um, but whatever, we, we, we'll we'll hear a little bit from him. Um, I know that he's, well, you've told me that he's rather upset about the things that are going on, a little concerned yeah. for his own safety. So uh, he hasn't got a great deal to say here, mm. but I think it's interesting to hear what he has to say. Well, you know, I think it's definitely a move in the direction of all of the social and political trends which Britain has positioned itself against within the last hundred years, let's say. And it's an affront in the name of progress, in the name of civilization, in the name of, you know, inclusiveness, so, you know, integrated Europe. What if they just got rid of the French words? Well, you see, there's an issue here in that we need to preserve our Norman tongue, seeing as how the reality of our current spoken English is such that we cannot do anything but accredit it to the Norman influence and what came before, you know, the Saxon resurgence, let's say, or the the impetus to replace words which once existed in another language with ones that currently exist. What about the idea of having um, some of the foreign words and phrases in a special code? You need a special kind of uh, special glasses to read them properly. Well, it cost you extra. Wouldn't that be sort of like, you know, a 1950s comic book? I mean, you buy the glasses and everything still comes out scrambled in the end, in a very sort of basic philosophical way. I mean, ultimately speaking, if you obscure anything, you, you obscure the totality of the reality. No? Thank you. Okay, Ed, now, before we close, I would like to play a little bit of some secret recording that you made of the very committee that you were a member of until quite recently. Now, you, if I understand you correctly, went into that committee on a particular occasion, and you had your recorder inside your briefcase, and you recorded Mm. some of the conversation that was actually going on. And um, obviously, I'll ask you about this in a minute, but um, just to prime listeners, they need to listen for not so much what is said, but the way in which it is said, because I think that's quite revealing the attitude of some of these people. But as I say, I'll I'll ask you about that in a moment. So let's just listen to a little bit of this secret recording that Ed made. I think it was about three months ago. I say we should get rid of carte blanche because it's way out of date now. No, 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 we can't, we can't get rid of that, we can't get rid of it, we can get rid of Bon Voyage, though. Bon Voyage. Yeah, that's a bit silly, isn't it? It is. Yes, good holiday. That's why people say just 
I think whilst we're at it, I, I find the phrase cheers uh, too American for my liking, actually. And uh, I think we need to keep things really British here. And, yeah. Yeah. So, so no, che- che- cheers, is, cheers is out. Chocks away. Chocks Whatever happened to chocks away? Yeah, I mean, you, know, you knew where you were with chocks. I remember the first time I uh, said chocks away, I was sailing, well, sailing within Britain, not out of it. And I think that's what's important here, keeping things British. Yeah. So, keeping these local yeah. in the isolated area. Yeah, exactly. Just go. Quite right, quite right, old boy. I think we should. Yeah, From Skegness to Lyme Regis. Um, other expressions that we uh, want to. Miss on Sen. What? Who says Exactly. Exactly. Sacre bleu. Absolutely. What but is it with sacre That's gone. Bleu. In, the, in the trash can. Faux pas. Faux pas. Faux pas. Faux pas, I mean, what does that even mean? Oh, I've made a faux pas. Well, you, you, let, let's, let's really, you know, you've made an accident, you've made a mistake, all right? Let's not use this silly, silly foreign up. nonsense to, to cover yourself up. <laughs> faux pas. Entrepreneur. <laughs> is that, is that, isn't that just English? <laughs> it's just English. Um, hmm. How about this? Dancing non de Non-de-plume. It's quite nice, you know. It sounds lovely. Because it sounds literary. What does that mean? Yes, what does it's that a, mean? It's uh, a uh, pen name. No, oh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Why do they just say pen name? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. Ad nauseum. Never heard of that's that in my life. <laughs> Bonafide. I can't get rid of it. I thought we were talking about European. Bon appetit. Absolutely sick of it. Bon appetit can go. Just say, <laughs> have a nice meal. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. End of, end of story. Have a jolly good meal. Jolly good. Well, yeah, jolly good. <laughs> I like jolly. Kosher? Kosher. Yeah, let's just call it. I don't know what kosher really means, but <laughs> let's keep it kosher. No, let's not. Let's keep it something else. Yes. Is it something you have in restaurants? Ipso facto. Modus operandi. I do quite like that. Prima Donna. Prima Donna. Sounds like something you order from a kebab van. You know. Pro bono. You're pro bono. Oh, like oh, good band. Yeah, good band. Good terrible band. saying. Let's get rid of the saying, though. For goodness sake, you know, the saying can go, the band maybe can stay if they bring out a new oh, single. Yeah. Right, very interesting stuff indeed. Mm-hmm. So what was it about the attitude in that meeting that so annoyed you? Well, I think you've, you've listened to it. Your listeners have heard what they're talking about. And as you say, it's not so much what they're discussing it's the way in which they're discussing it and the fact that they're just simply not taking it seriously and that was what I felt about the whole of my time there that there was a sort of element of um we'll just have fun we'll kick these foreign words out uh, we'll just do it it'll be it'll be <laughs> a, f- a fait accompli which I couldn't say <laughs> if right, they kick that word right. out but, but in a was, sense, do you want them to do it seriously? I mean, you're against what they're doing. Um, so why are you so upset that they're doing it in an irresponsible... Well, it's already irresponsible. Yeah. So if they're approaching yeah. it in a, an immature way, so what? I'm a Democrat. So I believe in discussion. So I believe in listening to people. And I think if there was a genuine atmosphere of democracy and listening to other people's points of view, then we could reach some sort of compromise. You know, some words could be excluded, some kept, but this situation um where it's simply undemocratic i mean i you know i'm anti the whole thing about taking words out but i'm also a proponent of, of democracy so you know democracy means decisions being arrived at that you might not agree with but that's democracy mm-hmm. but it's as you've listened to and i think you make your own assumption when you listen they are simply not taking it as seriously as it deserves absolutely yes they're not sensitive to what people might think at all are they 
No, no. And what, exactly. what about your, your again, your colleague Roy? Has he told you anything about the attitude of the committee that's making the decisions with regard to the EU dictionary? I think that they're taking it much more seriously. Mm. I mean, I think you can tell that from the way that this, the dictionary is being proposed, the way it's divided up into these 28 sections. Mm. You know, I might have called them woolly liberals, but they are realising that this is a dictionary that could benefit people in the future. It is a way forward. It's pushing back the boundaries rather than enclosing us within the boundaries of our own language. And I think my impression, certainly from Roy, is that they are taking the whole mm. project uh, in a much more serious and, dare I say it, democratic way. Except that one of them, so I've been told, is a comedian, the Polish representative. Well, yes, you're right, but even Polish comedians need to have a say. Sure, I suppose just because one's profession is being humorous, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be that when you're on this committee. It may be that there are other... No, no the basis of, of, of a good comedian is a good storyteller and therefore a good at um, using English. I mean, the whole basis of a joke is the effective use of language mm. to wrong-foot you at the end. So, no, I don't have a problem with that at all. Mm. Yeah, you can take the business of humour seriously. Well said, indeed. So before we close, I have to ask you where next, where next for you, but also where next for all of us listening to this. You're doing interviews, you've been doing interviews for some time. Mm. Um, presumably you have other plans than just talking about this. So what are you doing? What are you proposing to do beyond this? And how is that possibly going to involve us as listeners? Well, I think I, do, I have been doing interviews on various podcasts and things um i've also stood outside the house of commons and protested i mean what it would be good to have more like-minded people mm. coming to me and perhaps i could ask them to contact you in the first instance um sure. i mean that's what i've been doing with most people i've talked to um to contact me and to see where we go forward because um at the moment this is all so sort of new and we're exploring uncharted territory this is obviously the age of the social media. There's no social networks. I think that's the best way to get the message across. Uh, listeners out there, if you're in the certainly if you're in the UK, I would encourage you contacting your MP to look into this because the most disturbing fact is that it's not exactly common knowledge. No, indeed. I suppose you could call me a whistleblower. I'm I'm trying to make people aware of this. So the the more people are aware of what's going on then the more we can limit its damage, if you like. Because as we've discussed, you know, who knows where we go once this dictionary is published. It's, it is really quite frightening. Mm, either dictionary. And you've mm. said that you're in the process of creating a pressure group to lobby Parliament. How is that going? Um, at the moment, I've um, got several people who are assisting me with that. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, it's a slow business. I'll have to be honest with you, Julian. It is a slow business. So the, yeah. the more people who can support me, um, not, not in monetary terms, but just in sort of um, standing up for our mother tongue, mm. if you like. Um, or even literally standing with you yeah, outside yeah, yeah. Westminster. Exactly. Yes. I mean, at the moment, the demonstration's only been quite small. Well, how many people, when you say small, how many is that? Um, well, it's just been me. Just you. Okay. So you do need other people to join you, surely? Definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely, because it's very hard to make any kind of impact when you're just um, the lone voice. Mm. But that doesn't absolutely mean to say that I'm wrong or anything. I mean, you have lots mm. of instances in history where people like Gandhi or whatever have stood up for things. They've been lone people, and they've been proved right. Yeah. Um, but obviously it would be better you, if I had a few others with me. Mm, mm. And you've been trying to attract the attention of none other than Donald Trump, haven't you? Uh, yes, I've been um, tweeting... 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have been tweeting him. Um, so far, he hasn't actually replied. I mean, I'm sure he gets millions of tweets, doesn't he? Mm. But, I mean, anything like that where you can disseminate this information to all and sundry is for the good, I think. And by putting the tweet out there, at least I've done something, and we'll have to see what happens with that. Because yeah. it's it's not done any good with contact. I mean, I've tried to contact Theresa May, Jeremy Corbyn. Um, so far, no real response, you know, acknowledgement of my concerns, which is... Not really enough, I think, on this at this stage. Yeah. Well, thank you ever so much, Ed, for coming on the program. I can see that yours is a very difficult path to tread. Um, getting people to really engage with this because I mean it does sound so outlandish, doesn't it? Both of these projects, yeah, and of yeah. course they're not common knowledge. This is something that's hidden, and so you <clears> are in this unenviable position of trying to get people to really take this seriously. So I, I do appreciate the work that you're doing, and thank you very much indeed for coming on this podcast to talk about it. Um, so people can get in touch with you through the Mind Renewed if they wish to send a message through the contact page. There they can. Um, so as I say, it has been a privilege to speak to you, and maybe we could speak again at some point in the future when your pressure group has really got going, and just to see how things are going. Would would that be okay? Yeah, no, Julian, that would be that would be lovely. I'd love to come back and and talk to you about that. Yeah, thank you. Well, okay, thanks very much indeed, Ed, for joining us. It's been it's been great. Thank you. Thank you. So not just books. I mean, there would be films and plays and, yep. and, and operas. And Absolutely. Well, you've got the, the film and the book by Ray Bradbury, Fahrenheit 451. Uh, that would just be called Fahrenheit. Um, <laughs> Sorry. You've got the number one ladies detective agency. That would just call be the number ladies detective agency. Or I mean, if you spelt it without the one, it would be the, the no ladies detective agency, Gosh. which wouldn't make any sense. No, no. Um, secret diver Adrian Mole, aged... Gosh, yes. Whatever. Because, you know, it's, where, does it, where does it end? Yeah. Um, or the 101 Dalmatians. The 101 Dalmatians. It will just be the Dalmatians, which is not as impressive a title, is it? No, it's not. It's not. And I was just thinking of, you know, say a, a news correspondent on the TV standing outside 10 Downing Street. It would mm. just be Downing Street. Yeah. So you wouldn't actually know whether they were talking no. you know, about the Prime Minister or the Chancellor of the Exchequer. No, no. And I happen to know a film that you quite like, um, 2001 A Space Odyssey, would just be A Space Odyssey. As if it was just one out of a lot of space odysseys. No, you're right. Yeah. Um, I mean, the bizarre thing is you've got Catch-22, which has Arabic numerals. That will just be called Catch. Just Catch? Yeah. Well, who would know what crazy. it was? Well, I know. It's crazy. Mm. Absolutely crazy. Mm. I suppose an alternative would be to spell it out, but then <laughs> it would look absolutely terrible, wouldn't it? Mm, it yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> 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 Mm-hmm. Or even literally standing with you outside Westminster, yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, at the moment, the demonstrations have only been quite small um, when it's just been me. But it be... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I was tempted to say about five or six people, and then you went and made it just you, a complete lone nutter standing out in the street. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. <laughs>